Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. About four minutes into the second period, Montreal leading Ottawa 2-0. Deneau and Byron, the goal scorers, also early in the second. It's 1-1 between the Red Wings and Panthers. The Lightning lead the Blue Jackets one zip power play goal for Braden Point. He now has 14 goals on the season. After one, a lot of goals here. After one, Islanders up 4-2 on the Capitals. Jordan Eberle has scored. He now has 12 on the season. The Sabres trying to win again, trying to win again. Lead the Rangers one nothing about seven minutes into the second there. And three minutes into the second period in Boston, Pittsburgh out shooting the Bruins 10-2. Zach Aston Reese has just scored. Penguins lead Boston one nothing. Coming up later tonight, we have the Wild and the Golden Knights. Stars and Predators are about to face off. The Hurricanes and the Blackhawks are about to face off. Really appreciate you tuning in tonight. You can check in on the Certainty Hotline. Had some good feedback on the uh, show last night about uh, referees, McDavid's fine, and how the Oilers are looking here going into the stretch drive. The hotline is presented by Certainty Professional Grade Building Materials. The number is 780-496-0063. Of course, baseball started today. And uh, the Blue Jays got a win. The Blue Jays win their season opener in 10 innings, 3-2 over the New York Yankees. Okay, so the Oilers back at practice today. And we'll touch on some of the storylines and uh, some of the line combinations there as we move along. And I, I think there's some some things to consider here as the Oilers move towards the playoffs. And they are going to be in the playoffs. I mean, look, the, the four playoff teams in the North are decided. The, the chances of Ottawa and Vancouver, uh, pardon me, Ottawa's out of it. The chances of Calgary and Vancouver getting in are virtually non-existent like we're talking they they each have 19 games left we're talking they got to win 14 or 15 of their remaining games and even that might not be enough to get them in so I I think we know who the four playoff teams are going to be we've seen enough of the Oilers I think to know the strengths and the weaknesses and to understand some of the concerns and some of the advantages that they might have against each team and Sure. Yeah. I mean, the wild card, I suppose, is injuries and things like that. And another wild card is how many games are actually going to get played. So the Oilers play the Flames tomorrow at Rogers Place. Faceoff shows on 630 Chet at 530. The game will start at seven. Saturday's game against the Vancouver Canucks has been postponed. As we were on the air last night, the Canucks game against the Calgary Flames got postponed. So now we have two Canucks players in the COVID protocol. We have a Canucks coach in the COVID protocol and we have the Canucks games through Tuesday wiped out and it's hoped they'll be able to get back at it for a game one week from today thursday april 8th so there is a a question here first of all when are the games going to be rescheduled and that is going to be tough for the nhl to to jimmy things around 
to fit these games in before May 11th, which is right now the latest game in the regular season, which is Edmonton at Montreal. They they don't want to use they they kind of left that buffer week. They don't want to use very much of it. They want the regular season to end and they want the playoffs to start. For Edmonton and Vancouver, there is a, a fairly obvious solution for this one game. This doesn't solve Vancouver's other issues with two games against Winnipeg and the game against Calgary. But the Canucks are back here in Edmonton on April 12th and on April 14th. And then neither the Canucks nor the Oilers currently have a game scheduled on the 15th and 16th. So maybe you have the Canucks stay here for Thursday the 15th and play that game. But again, they're going to have other games to make up and teams are playing virtually every second night the rest of the way or in some cases even more often. And when there might be one team with a gap in the schedule, the other team doesn't have the gap. And that's why you often see multiple games moved around as they're trying to reschedule stuff. So that's another thing to keep in mind. Are we going to get to 56 games for each team in the North Division? Could they use points percentage? ultimately to determine the positioning. That's what we did last year. The pandemic shut down the season mid-March. They didn't finish the regular season. They said, okay, top 12 in each conference based on points percentage. Remember, the Oilers actually had more points than the Dallas Stars, but Dallas had played fewer games, had the advantage on points percentage, so they got the four seed and the Oilers got to five. Maybe the NHL has to wind up doing that. Maybe they're going to look at some of these games and say, you know what? Is this Calgary-Vancouver game going to matter? Does it need to be played? At What are the stakes? Fifth and sixth at best? Do you need to, do you, do you need to reschedule that game? Maybe other sk- games are going to be a, a priority to reschedule. Just some things uh, to think about here. Uh, there. So anyway, that's, that's one thing. What's going on with the schedule? Can also tell you, Frank Cervelli, with uh, TSN, generally very well-connected guy, has reported this when it comes to the Oilers and Ryan Nugent Hopkins. He says, no meaningful progress, but it's not for a lack of trying. I'm told the Oilers tabled a recent offer to Ryan Nugent Hopkins in his camp, but it wasn't one, but it was one that wasn't flattering. I believe in the five-year term, certainly not one that RNH was rushing to the table to find a pen to sign, at this point, these two sides are going to continue talking. That's what they've agreed to. They're going to continue the dialogue. Cervelli goes on to add, I have zero sense that the Oilers have any interest in moving Nugent Hopkins before the deadline without a deal done. They'd like to keep keep him, try and find a way to win, and keep him locked up long-term. We'll see if they can do that. Here's the thing. If the Oilers don't have Ryan Nugent Hopkins on their roster, they are not as good a team. And look, you know, we pick apart his game and, and yeah, you know, five on five, center versus wing, all that type of stuff. But he's still a pretty good player. And, I, you know, I was talking to somebody who, uh, who, does, uh, who does, who scouts the NHL a few days ago. And he said, if the Oilers lose Ryan Nugent Hopkins, they are immediately looking for somebody who can do all the job, jobs that he does. Play on the power play. Play with one of the two highest scoring players in the league and kill penalties. And that player is hard to find. 
And, you, you know, Bob and I talked about it a few weeks ago on a face-off show. Nuge's five-on-five point total. You'd, you'd like it to be a little more. Sure, you'd like him to finish some more chances this year. All that kind of stuff. But he's he's a player who's a pretty good support player to McDavid and Dreisaitl. They both like playing with him. And he can play in all situations. He's not just only an offensive player. And if you move him, you might say, well... You know, maybe we could get somebody who almost gets those points, but is uh, is just as good in the other way at the end of the rink. So that's what we're considering there. We know the salary cap is not going to go up. We know that players, once they reach 27 years of age, like Ryan Nugent Hopkins, want raises. And we know they want the term. Well, Nugent may be, be in a situation, though, where he's not going to get all of that. I mean, you certainly can't give him a substantial ra- uh, raise. And what Frank Cervelli is reporting is is that the Oilers are looking at just five years. I mean, if you're if you're nude, you want the uh, you want to be assured with a long contract, and obviously you want to make as much money as possible. And the Oilers going into this offseason, Adam Larson's going to be an unrestricted free agent. Tyson Berry's going to be an unrestricted free agent. You try to hang on to him. And then planning ahead for the summer of 2022, Darnell Nurse is going to be an unrestricted free agent. And certainly his number, if he has another big year like he's having this year, is probably going to be around $7 million per season. And oh, by the way, at some point, the Oilers are probably going to want to add, uh, add a goaltender or... Uh, you know, maybe they have to eat some of Miko Koskinen's contract along the way, all things to consider that doesn't add up to a great situation for Ryan Nugent Hopkins to be in. And if he shops around, is he in a better spot? He might be able to get the money that he wants from another team, but is that going to be a good team? Hey, if you're the Seattle Kraken, hey, great, we got Nugent. We got Nuge. Here's a guy we can market around a little bit. But unless they pull a Vegas, Seattle might not be that great for a few years. So there, there's a lot to consider. Interesting that Cervelli uh, reported that. We know that there have been talks off and on for, uh, for several months. I feel just looking at how things are playing out, and things I hear from people around the league that it's going to be tough for free agents to cash in because of the flight. I mean, you know, we've, we've talked about it in the past who really cashed in this past summer, maybe a couple guys. I mean, Hall got 8 million a year, but it was only for one year. Right. So this is an ongoing story with Nuge. I don't think he's going to get traded by April 12th. I think Holland and Tippett recognizes what he can do. I don't know if players like Nuge are in a great position, though, to get everything they want. You can chime in on the Certainty Hotline, 780-496-0063. Some more updates from more of this practice when we get back. Dreisaitl not on a line with Connor McDavid at Oilers practice today. Here is how the Oilers were deployed. McDavid was with Nugent Hopkins and Pugliarvi. Dreisaitl with Cahoon and Yamamoto. Haas with Archibald and Cassian. Kara with Shore and Chason. So the extra forwards were Neil, Turris, Patrick Russell, and Nygaard. 
So we rarely see Patrick Russell in a game. We rarely see Joachim Nygaard in a game. We haven't seen a lot of James Neal lately. Uh, Kyle Turris got to play a couple of games. Now he looks like he's going to be scratched again. Dominic Cahoon has been in and out of the lineup lately and hasn't been overly effective. And Ryan Nugent Hopkins goes back to playing the wing with McDavid and Pugliarvi after some games at center, especially when obviously McDavid and Dreisaitl are together. Dave Tippett on Nuge on the wing. Well, it's not just all about getting points, but you know, it's, you got to create some chances. You got to have your, your time with the puck. So he he was all right at center. There wasn't a lot, uh, uh, you know, we, it's not as if we didn't like him at center, but we're just trying to get back and stabilized and, you know, with McDavid and Drysaddle split up today, just that's where he falls. All right. So you know, again, speaking about Ryan Nugent Hopkins, it, it's a he's a he's a very popular player. I realize that there are areas of a game that be that can be critiqued. I'm always surprised that that there are some of you out there who who really don't like him but I think most people see at least some value in him. Again, I think if he's not on the team or wasn't on the team, you're, you're looking for somebody who can do the things that he does, and he does do some things pretty darn well. When you look at what's going on with the top six, he, like Nuge is not the problem, even if you'd like him to be more productive in some situations. You, you got McDavid and Drysaddle, two top scorers in the league. Pugliarvi and Yamamoto, younger players who I would say have been okay this year i mean i didn't expect yamamoto to have the almost point a game production like he had last season he's around half a point per game pull i think kind of quiet lately there's certainly some inconsistency but he has made strides that are encouraging the 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 problem is is second line left wing cahoon was was brought in to play there has has not been great. You know, Turris got a shot on those lines. He got a goal that went in off his rump. Okay, that's cool. So that's really the issue. And I, I, I don't know if the Oilers can solve that. Well, I certainly it certainly doesn't look like they can solve it internally. And I don't know if they can solve it with a big trade. Hey, you know what? Maybe, maybe it is Dylan Holloway next year. Maybe he's going to be that good, the, the, the first-round draft pick from October. Maybe he can actually stabilize uh, that position, and then I would imagine he's going to play center as he gets older and is is his career. The Oilers' bottom six is it as deep as a couple of other teams in the division? No. I, again, it's probably a situation where maybe those are two fourth lines, as opposed to a true third line because they don't have a lot of scoring there. But. I don't think they're playing anybody that is not an NHL player. And that's been something that had plagued them in recent years. You might have a fourth line where you're like, that's an AHL line. So they, they haven't been able to find that, that second line winger, or I guess the, the sixth forward to round out the top six. And I think that's going to be tough to fix this year. And with the flat cap and not a lot of money for free agency, it may be hard to fix in the summer. Again, could could Holloway be an internal solution? Um, could Ryan McLeod be on the team next year? Maybe he's probably going to play more of a depth role, but th- that could help round some some things out a little bit here going forward. So to, to factor that into how things are shaping up for the playoff run, well, we've seen what happens between the Oilers and the Leafs. The Leafs are better, they are deeper, they can pressure the Oilers. The Oilers have actually gone 4-2 against the Winnipeg Jets. 
despite the Jets having a pretty good top nine themselves, the Oilers have been able to get after their D and probably the Jets haven't got the goaltending that they would have liked in the games against the Oilers. The Oilers are only one and three against the Canadians. Canadians got a couple of good goalies. They don't have the high-end talent of the Oilers. I would say they have a more persistent and pesky four lines that have been able to give the Oilers trouble. So that's how it matches up when you look. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look at the other playoff teams. We'll keep talking about this with Cam Moon, play-by-play voice for the Oilers when we get back. In the second period, Canadians leading the Senators 2-0 in the first. Carolina up 1-0 on Chicago. And the Stars with a 1-0 edge on the Predators. Lindell has his fourth of the season. Three minutes left in the second period in Sunrise. Panthers and Red Wings tied at 1. Four minutes left in the second in Tampa. Lightning and Blue Jackets tied at 1. How about the New York Islanders with a 6-3 lead on the Capitals? Five and a half to go in period two. Jordan Everly has scored twice. He now has 13 on the year. Matt Barzell has scored twice. He now has 12 on the year. After two in Buffalo, Sabres and Rangers tied 1-1. Sabres going for a winning streak. Penguins lead the Bruins 2-0. That is late in the second period. The Oilers play the Flames tomorrow. It's on 6.30, Chad, with the face-off show at 5. The game will start at 7. In over the line on the right side, pass over, Matthew Schlein. Oh, the save by Mike Smith coming across. Absolutely Rob Matthews. And the puck out to center. McDavid down the right wing. Kenders scores! Darnell Nurse ends it in overtime. Oilers win 3-2. That is from Monday night, the voice that will call tomorrow's game from Rogers Place. It's our buddy Cam Moon checking in on Inside Sports. Mooner, how are you doing? Good. That guy's got to pump the brakes a little. What? He's excited. (laughs) He's pretty jacked up, that's for sure. As you should have been. That was, I mean, what could you say? 17 seconds of overtime with the, uh, the leading goal scorer in the NHL with a chance to win the game. (laughs) <laughs> and it's stopped by uh, maybe the guy who's going to win the Masterton Trophy when all is said and done, and then at the other end, the top defense goal scorer ending the game. Now, obviously, the, the follow-up on Tuesday didn't go so well, but uh, that was a fun one for you to call on Monday. It, it was, yeah. An exciting game, a big game against the Leafs. Mike Smith, again, plays so well in goal, like especially in that first period when the Leafs were kind of taking it to the Oilers. I find Mike Smith inspirational. And granted, I, I lean towards the netminders at all times for sure. But just the way he plays is just 
I don't know. I just find it inspirational. He plays so hard, and it seems like the guys play hard for him too. And then, yeah, to get a, a goal like that in in the three on three after a big save, and that's as exciting as it gets. Yeah. And as far as uh, Tuesday goes, well, I've, I've stricken that from my memory. It's like it never even happened. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, Dave Tippett made a burn the tape comment today after yeah. the the complete disaster of a game from the Oilers on Tuesday. You mentioned Mike Smith, and. Obviously, we've seen him play in the NHL for a long time. I think certainly when he was with the Coyotes was when he really became a goaltender that was well-known and considered uh, one of the better guys in the league. He he was on a Canadian Olympic team, don't forget, even though, yep. sure, he was the third guy. But still, you got to be pretty good to be the third guy on a Canadian Olympic team. And now that I've seen him in Edmonton season and a half and, and you're seeing him in person this year, and what's interesting about Mike Smith, Cam, and you and I have actually talked to each other about this, so we should share this a little bit with people. He is just, uh, like, he's so outgoing. Even watching practice from, you know, 100 feet away, however far we are, he's just, he's all over the place. He's bopping around. You can hear him shouting at his teammates, often, you know, playfully trash-talking them. We think he got hit in a sensitive male area today by a puck. And he's rolling around on the ice like his career is over. And two seconds later, he's popping up and he's making a blocker. Like he's just so, he's so almost frantic with the way he plays, but it, it works for him. And it obviously rubs off on the guys. That's the thing. Like, and that's what I mean by inspirational, just the way he conducts himself. And like, I've never even, well, I, I sort of met the guy a few summers ago in, in uh, Red Deer and that, battle of alberta golf tournament but it was extremely brief um just yeah but his his uh, media availabilities he's really well spoken uh he, he takes the answer or the question in and comes up with a really good answer and yeah the way he moves the puck so well i i just can't get over you know being able to watch him all the time now how quick the puck gets out of the oilers zone if he can get a stick on it if he can get a hold of it while well, all of a sudden it's a pass it's tape to tape or if there's absolutely nothing he can just rip it right out of there so yeah i just i think he has been huge for this team not only with stomping the puck and and having a you know really good numbers at this point but also like being a good teammate and and being a guy that that fires up the the younger players and all those things those are all important aspects of of being a good teammate and he's absolutely doing that so i can see why the coaches like him and you know if i would say there are the vast majority of edmonton oiler fans have to be feeling like with mike smith it's like found money because i know what the reaction was like uh, when it was announced it was coming back for another year and and a lot of people were not in favor of it while well, he's absolutely turned that on its ear so good for him i love watching the guy play so that's one of the positives for the Oilers this season for for sure and and smith in the you know the old home team net today or the starters net so we expect him to play tomorrow against calgary no surprise there but i was talking about it before i, I broke for the 6 30 news still a question mark hanging over this team and I don't know if it's going to be a question mark that gets an adequate answer between now and the end of the season whenever that is is the the number six spot in the top six I mean Cahoon has had 
small burst cam but but i would argue that they've been relatively small he did have two games in that comeback against uh, two goals in that comeback against the vancouver canucks Tourist got a bit of a shot there and now it looks like he's going to be a healthy scratch again tomorrow after playing and cahoon's back in from being a healthy scratch uh to, to playing on the second line i don't know like i i feel for dave Tippett trying to navigate that i just mentioned two players who were signed uh, in the off season who I, I mean like haven't been anywhere near expectations so to me that's that's one of the big ifs when it comes to the Oilers. Once they move through the the rest of the regular season, they move into the playoffs. Can they somehow? I mean, we know that against a couple teams, they're going to have a tough third line matchup. If they have a tough second line matchup, then it's it's really not going to go well for them. And I I don't I don't know how do you how do you see that? Can it really be fixed this year? Well, I, it's tough to fix it if you can't do it internally. Uh, just the way things are with Oilers up against the cap, dollar in, dollar out, having to quarantine when guys get in here. Also, it's not like a normal year where you could possibly trade your way out of that problem. Whereas you know now you, you'd like to be able to do it within if you can, but I, I don't. I don't know what the answer is to that because it, I, they've certainly tried lots of different uh, personnel in that spot and and have mixed uh, the lines up and have tried that way too. So I don't know. Or you just have to have some faith. Is there something that the coaches see in in one of those guys that can play on that spot that maybe there's something there that they're just not getting out of that player to this point? And if that's the case. That gives you a little bit of optimism because now we just need to find the right combination, push the right buttons, help that player to get to where we think he can be and be productive on that line. If you don't see that, well, now you're in a lot worse off position in that you're probably not going to be able to develop that person into the, the top six forward that you want and uh, going you know going outside to make that happen looks like to make that happen it looks like it's incredibly difficult to do so otherwise you, you just gotta live with it and and that's that's the way it's gonna be so you know i hope uh dominic cahoon finds the the right combination where he can be productive in that spot and if it isn't him you know hopefully it's you know somebody else i mean you're right a lot of different guys have had a look in that position and the, the right mix just hasn't been found to this point i i know rob and i had a caller after the last game about well call up the whole line of marody benson and mcleod i don't think that's going to happen i mean no. elliot friedman in no. his 31 thoughts column speculated if, if the orders maybe could call up somebody and i know yamamoto as a call up made a huge difference last year mm-hmm. i I, I'm always of the mindset that I'm not going to hinge uh, turning the team around on, on a call-up for the minors because usually it, it doesn't have as huge an impact as as you might hope. And, I, and look, I think McLeod is the best prospect um, out of those guys, but I, I also don't think they want to... I mean, I think there is something to be said for sometimes leaving players for the minors in a year and say, right now here's how it feels to be the alpha male and we're going to let you enjoy that for a season or two and you're going to come up and kind of work your way up again in the nhl i i I don't know maybe that maybe that's just me and you've you've followed a lot of junior guys who uh 
who, uh, who who do that. So just just wondering how how you make how you sort of look at that. Well, let, when do you call a guy up type thing? Yeah, that, and that comes down to I I don't think you can make a blanket statement on that. I think I think it has to come down to each player individually. Because some guys, uh, maybe they they they're a little older, so it's easier for them to handle the ups and downs if they're younger well then you maybe want to let them marinate more in the american hockey league because of that exactly what you say being put in those positions being on the ice in the last few minutes of the game playing on the power play or the penalty kill depending on where their skill set is uh, there's no there's no substitution for that um if you're if you're not playing those minutes at the nhl level and you're a skilled player well, it's tough to develop because you're not getting put in those positions. So if you are a skilled player and you're in the American League and you're playing on the power play and you're playing the last two minutes of the game, uh, there, I, I just don't see a way to, to you know, substitute that if you're in and out of the lineup. But I, if they were to bring somebody up and you got to sit them for a week and, and then get them up to speed, so there is the, the time thing. Um, so that's... That's what makes this season so unique and difficult at the same time. So you could do it. Uh, do I think that's going to you know, catapult the Edmonton Oilers to the next level? No, probably not. And, and I have heard Rob say it before. You know, if they were NHL ready, they would have been here already, you know, at the start of the year. Right. It's a great point. <laughs> it absolutely is. So, yeah, I, I don't know that that would be the answer. Yeah. All right. Well, Mooner, I appreciate you checking in on a uh, on a Friday night. Oh, by the way, before I let you go, uh, how much baseball did you watch today? Uh, quite a bit. Um, I caught the end <laughs> well, of the Don't be Jays sheepish about Yankees. it. Yeah. The Jays and the Yankees was very exciting, and the Jays looked like in the ninth inning it was all going to go south for them, but they held on and then won it in 10. Then I flipped over to Dodgers and Rockies, and, and my Dodgers didn't pull it out. I'll give the Rockies credit. They were pretty good. Uh, now I'm doing some game prep for tomorrow, but that, then I will take a break from that to uh, then decide which late game I'm going to tune into for a while. I, I don't know. I might go Houston-Oakland. I might go White Sox-Angels. I'm not sure. I'm just not sure. Decisions, decisions, buddy. Thanks for yeah. choosing to come on Inside Sports. Thank you. You know what, Reed? I can't wait for tomorrow night. Like, I can't wait. That's awesome. It's going to be fun. Yeah. I, Battle of Alberta, it doesn't get better than that. I'm just telling you right now. There we go. That is Cam okay. Moon. He'll have the call right here on 630. Chet. Uh, oh, we're going to catch up with uh, Sebastian Cosa. Really excellent goaltender for Edmonton Oil Kings. Inside Sports on Chet. Flames tomorrow here on 6.30 Chet. Coverage starts at 5.30. The game between the Oilers and the Canucks on Saturday has been postponed because of two Canucks players and a coach going into COVID protocol. We do not know when that game is going to be made up. The Edmonton Oil Kings play Red Deer this weekend. Three games, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I can tell you Dylan Gunther from the Oil Kings has been named the player of the month for February and March. 18 points and plus 12 in nine games the oil kings are nine and one to start the season and our next guest is a big part of it how about these numbers for a goaltender eight no 
with a 945 save percentage. Sebastian Costa's on the line. Sebastian, you're on with Reed. How are you doing? Good. How are you doing, Reed? I'm doing very well. It's nice to talk to you. I, I don't know if you look at your own stats. Uh, I, I mean, do you? And how do you feel about those numbers? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Um, but yeah, no, yeah, they're uh, they're pretty good right now. Uh, the team's playing well in front of me, which is uh, which is able, which is why I have such good numbers. Well, and uh, yeah, just a 1.5 goals against average as well. And look, the expectations were pretty high for the Oil Kings uh, th- this season. So tell me about dealing with those expectations and also living up to them. Yeah, uh, no, yeah, yeah, we have a really good team this year. Um, so yeah, expectations are definitely high, but. For me, kind of, uh, I love it. Um, you know, I like high expectations because, uh, you know, I obviously want to meet them and uh, do better than them and surprise people. So um, I'm definitely taking uh, taking it the best way I can and uh, just trying to have the best year I can. Well, and, and I mean, I should mention this isn't out of nowhere for you. You were 21-6-3 last year with a 9-21 save percentage. Uh, t- tell me about last season and how you, you felt maybe you grew as a goaltender. Yeah, um, no, yeah, even just from uh, honestly, number one, probably my confidence wise. Uh, last year being a rookie, just kind of got used to the league, um, just the pace of the league, kind of. And then uh, had a really good team last year. Edmonton's uh, building a really good organization the past couple of years. So luckily, I was able to step on to a, a team with a really good defensive corps. And, you know, they kind of eased me into it last year. And then uh, this year, just a lot more confident. And, uh, uh, you know, if I if I have a couple more A grade shots in the game, I'm uh, pretty confident with uh, handling them. How did you stay in shape, both physically and mentally, during base uh, almost a, a year away from competitive games because of the pandemic? Mm-hmm. No, yeah, I was uh, I was working out at a first line training in Short Park. Um, I was working with my goalie coach Curtis Muka on ice. Um, I was doing something called true movement in Edmonton, which is just a lot of uh, stretching and strengthening kind of. Um, it's been, that was really good for my body. Um, and then just like hand-eye stuff um, for my tracking and some video stuff. Tell everybody where you grew up and if you were ever involved in or ex- excelled at any other sports or if it's always been hockey for you. Um, yeah, I was, uh, I was born in Hamilton, Ontario. Um, moved to Fort Murray when I was about three or four. Um, I played football when I was younger. I played pretty high level, but had to quit that for hockey when I was around 13 or 14. Um, and then I moved to Fort Saskatchewan to play Bantam AAA at, at the, almost 14. So I've been billeting since then. Oh, wow. And yeah. what, what position were you in football? Um, I was a center, and uh, I'm a linebacker. I was big back then, too. Oh, well, yeah, you're six foot six, so you've always been a pretty big guy then. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, what did you like most about football? Um, honestly, my brother had been playing it. Uh, my dad was a coach, so kind of I, I like the violence. Um, you know, just hitting guys when I was young, uh, just something to do. And now you're in a position where you don't get to body check anybody. How do you do that? <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah. Last year I had one hit of the night. Uh, I got Spokane at home, so I remember that. But. <laughs> did you get a penalty? <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. No, he, he was coming to my crease, and I just put the shoulder down. And, uh, oh yeah, I guess there wasn't any better hits that game. <laughs> I mean, look, to, to play at a high level of hockey, and you touched on it, a lot of times kids, and, and you know, they are still kids, they got to move away from home and, and billet and spend a lot of time away from their uh, from their mom and dad. How, how did you uh, work through that? Do you look back and say, oh, wow, I, I kind of can't believe I did that when I was 14? Um, yeah, definitely. I feel like my, uh, my situation was a little bit easier. Um, Unfortunately, it was a year after the Fort Murray fire, so uh, 
my friends uh, who lost their host moved down for Saskatchewan actually so my first year billeting was with people I knew but then after that um I don't know yeah I'm uh, not too big of a homebody and uh you know obviously it was, it was for hockey and I had one uh, one goal in mind which is hockey so uh just kind of focused on that and it was wasn't too hard what goaltender would you compare yourself to in the NHL um, a younger Pecorine, a uh, big guy who can move in his crease, um, good hands, um, can play the puck well. And you got uh, a young guy with you who uh, is your backup, Colby Knight, who I think got his first WHL win earlier this season. Did you, is, is it true you guys bonded doing some fishing last summer? What's the story? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, he fishes a lot in the summer. Um yeah, I got in contact with him. I drove up to Sylvan Lake, and uh, yeah, we went fishing for a day. Um, caught four fish. It was really fun, actually. I think we might make it a might make it a ritual every year. Okay. Well, you'll be trying to snare the Red Deer Rebels this weekend, so we'll keep an eye on on that and uh, continued success this season, Sebastian. I hope we can have you on the show again. Appreciate it. Thanks, Reed. Sebastian Cosa, goaltender for your Edmonton Oil Kings. Yeah, you heard me say it. Eight and zero so far this season. Oilers and Flames tomorrow. We got the preview coming up. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.